The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... MMOW's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. You heard the intro, and as promised, kind of a new show that's happening today here at the uh, Mike, Mike, and Oscar headquarters. We're doing an Oscar race update, our weekly show, kind of a soft opening of, of the kickoff idea, this new weekly Oscar show that we're going to be doing every week now that's what weekly means uh and we're going to be focusing on oscar specific stories so you have mmo weekly now aside that's going to be your regular news roundup your regular hollywood what's going on with the normal movies and then we're going to concentrate on oscar type stuff oscar trailers oscar news oscar speculation that's all going to be happening on a weekly basis now on this oscar race update specifically we're going to review 13 oscar movie trailers from the last two weeks we got that in store for you today and we're going to do a preview for the fall film festivals then we have a few more fun, familiar things that we'll go over with you guys. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, also Mike here. We had to do this. MMO Weekly had ballooned out of control. You love it. <laughs> we love it. And it is just one of those kind of shows where it's truly a variety program. Yeah. We cover sometimes a hundred different things. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> so... To debut the Oscar race update, the, the first of the weekly variety here, we're going to do some, like you said, familiar things. Mm -hmm. uh, when when spinoffs happen in television, you spin off something that works, something that's well-liked. Usually it works. We'll see. I hope we, so. We hope this isn't Joey. We hope this isn't Joey. <laughs> Bottom line is we've done Oscar trailer episodes forever. We love doing those. So we have 13 Oscar movie trailers oh that have God. built up. And we always do those big preview segments yes. or the big review segments. So this is where that's going to happen going forward on Oscar Race Update. Because, you know, after the Gotham Awards, we're going to do a big review before the Golden Globes, etc., etc. Today we're going to preview the fall film festivals, New York, Venice, and Toronto, everything we know about them uh, but yes like Mike said we're distinguishing this from MMOW half out of necessity half because we just want to be able to stay on brand once a week <laughs> it would be nice the idea would be nice but yes. we have so much fun in MMOW talking about TV streaming YouTube wrestling sports comics D&D &D, music etc etc yeah we're mostly I would say about 90% we're 90% movie focus in that yeah. show, but we also have some fun and some t we go on some tangents. Certainly. We're do. not going to do that here. This no, is no. all Oscars all the time. This is what we want to do every week. We talk Oscars each and every week, throughout award season especially. It's what we do best. It's how this whole podcast started. It was the inception idea of it. We want to kind of stick to that branding and that idea. And like Mike just told you, while we do like MMOW, uh, like we did the past week, we just did an overview of all the Comic-Con news, all the trailers there, the announcements. We covered all the big horror movie news, uh, a lot of stuff having to do with Halloween. All that's still going to be coming to you on a weekly basis. It's just that now you basically have two variety and news shows. One's going to be movie-based and one's going to be Oscar-specific based. And that's where we are today. I forgot to mention at the top of this episode that we are happening to debut this show on the sixth anniversary, or seventh anniversary, I mean, of Diary of a Wimpy Kid Dog Days. No. Any, uh, any input there for <laughs> Diary of a Wimpy Kid Dog Days, Michael? I I seen the first movie. Why? And I didn't go in for the second movie. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. Like we said, 13 trailers that we think might have Oscar implications that we're going to run down. This is kind of the uh, the trailer thoughts equivalent section. And let's start right at the top with the biggest one. Scorsese's Irishman finally got our first look. It's worth saying at the top here, 
Look, we've chastised certain trailers based purely on what we've seen from them before, right? Mm-hmm. And we assured people that the films would be disappointing because the trailers looked a certain way. We've embraced the hot take yeah. uh, mentality. And a we've little, been very wrong. too hard. Yeah, we've been very wrong about those. Aladdin comes to mind, obviously. Widows, now, Widows we thought was going to be great. We didn't like Widows. Ex- exactly. It's worked in both ways. We loved Hellboy, right. for Christ's sake. The Hellboy <laughs> trailers, and then Hellboy comes out, and it is a dud. Uh, I think we are going to be harsh on this today, and for good reason. The de-aging effects in this trailer did not work. I know. I mean, I, first of all, they look creepy. I mean, the big reveal of this trailer is Robert De Niro's de-aged face at the end of it because he's been on the phone the whole time. He looks not natural. And also, what has he been DH'd? Like 18 months? He is 76 <laughs> years old, right? And his hands are old man hands. His walk is an old man walk. His back is an old man hunch. No offense. In every scene of this movie, I'm looking at an old man kind of moseying around, right. waddling around. Even when he's like coming out to shoot somebody, he's an old man yeah, doing he's, so. He's aged. I mean, he's a veteran. <laughs> His ears are old man ears in a way. And then you get the shiny, whatever, CGI'd face with the lips that it's are like obviously... Too smooth. It's like uh, airbrushed. Yeah. We've talked about this before. It did not work. And the fact that it was built up the entire trailer, where we right. only had a silhouette. We were looking from behind his ear. We were looking, we can only barely see his face. It was barely lit. And then it all builds up to that what? That reveal of bad effects. And he doesn't look de-aged. <laughs> like, like, he looks like an airbrushed 76-year-old guy. I, 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 if you're going to do all this hundreds of millions of dollars to do this technology and base your whole movie off it, I would have thought we were looking at like a you know, 50-year-old De Niro at one right. point, but I, I didn't see that. Ang Lee's Gemini Man, we're going to talk about in a few minutes, yes. looks like a young Will Smith yep. from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air from Independence Day. Yeah. It looks like a 20-year-old Will Smith. I mean, we we can get on those effects. They're not perfect right. either. They're, sure. It looks a little shiny. It looks noticeable. But at the same time, that is night and day to this. I, I totally agree. Now, look, this is still Scorsese. It is still Pacino, De Niro, Joe Pesci's in this. Great to see Joe Pesci back in our lives. Uh, Pacino has shown capable of reaching deep down and pulling off some modern-day great performances when he wants to. He did per- the Paterno movie and the Kevorkian movies for HBO. I like both of those performances. He looks like he's fully committed into this one. He looks like he's walking around with a little swagger. I loved the phone call reveal of Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. I loved him, you know, campaigning. That was a rousing film, the Jack Nicholson film when he played this yeah. character. And Al Pacino totally looks the part. He totally has enough cachet to, to pull off such a, you know, well-renowned sure. human being. It's he's nice. he's going to do well here. It's nice to see De Niro play that mafioso tough guy. Maybe for the last time, we don't know, but it's nice to see that kind of throwback. That's that's fun and that's nostalgic. The lighting and spectacle of all these courtroom scenes. You you commented on the poster mm-hmm. of the new stills. It looks like a painting, right? Yeah, in many ways. It so looks there's good. highlights. There's yeah. goods here, but the concerns and criticisms start and end with all the hype, and all the, the hype has been around the de aging technology and how realistic it'll all look. And De Niro in the big reveal looks like he's ready to be the conductor of the Polar Express more than he looks like he's ready to fight for Jimmy Hoffa's death here. Right. Now, that's not noticeable when all the characters look like the conductor of the Polar Express in the movie. But when all the characters are just these grizzled old people... You can't have real Joe Pesci... (laughs) 
<laughs> and this Robert De Niro, yeah, not great, Bob. But not they got the, both the same hunch in the back. <laughs> right. They both got the same giant bird hands. Old people have bird hands. We're going to have them someday, Mike, God willing. <laughs> they have giant talons, and that's what it is. So they have big ears and noses. We get this. We're not alone. I, from what I've seen on film, Twitter, on social media in general, not a lot of people look overly impressed with how this looks. Again, it's the first trailer. It's the first look. Scorsese himself has come out. We've regaled about this. He's come out himself and said that he knows there's problems uh, and there's been issues that right. he's had to get over and encounter with this. So maybe this isn't the final look either. It might not be. We just we crucified a lot. Oh, yeah. We hated yeah, the, the genie awful. stuff, and then it really didn't bother me in the watch of the movie. I hated the costumes, and they were not <laughs> Oscar-worthy when I saw the movie, but the, they didn't really bother me as right. much. It, it makes some sense. It makes sense culturally as well. Here, the big reveal in the trailer bothered me. Will it bother me in the whole composition? Because I like the music in this trailer. You know, yeah. Scorsese's going to deliver... Uh, all the usual of goods course. that he delivers. I mean, he may, he's a great storyteller. Even in Silence, which I didn't like, even in the movies that I don't like from him, they're really well-made sure. movies. of course. So we think we're going to get that regardless. It looks like an action-packed. It looks like there's plenty of story here. There's a great ensemble. You know, I'm going to... We're tempering ourselves. We're trying to learn from past mistakes. <laughs> right. Right? Uh, I, I, I still stand by my assessment that Quentin Tarantino took direct aim at this movie <laughs> in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Maybe. if you want that explanation, go listen to our last episode, which was the spoiler-filled breakdown of that film in total. We'll move on here. Mike, Sam Mendes, 1917, gave us his first look as well. I really love this trailer. I thought it's high-stakes storytelling, so you have this high-concept premise. It's, it's like things we've seen before with Saving Private. Ryan, you have like this Gallipoli setup. I don't know where it, things fit in, in the historical timeline, but the Gallipoli, where a bunch of young soldiers are, are essentially thrown out there in a, in a fight that they never should have been in in mm -hmm. the first place, if they were warned beforehand that they wouldn't have made that charge. Well, you have that set up here, and you also have personal stakes. Now, you could be cynical and say that this is what every movie does for a historical event. You I plan the, on being cynical. You <laughs> add the personal to the... But it's done in a very economical way in this trailer, in, in like two bookend slight monologues from a character played by Colin Firth. I will start with the positive. I was going to end on a high note, but I guess I'll start on a high note. There's some... Really amazing shots in this. The cinematography looks impressive. Some really downright impressive camera angles. Uh, there's that shot of the kid running through the field as the explosions go on behind yeah, him. Yeah, that's wild. It's, it's really a great shot. It's really breathtaking type stuff. There's other ones within the trailer as well. This is too dark. Well, it's World War One is all the trench warfare, right? right. It's probably going to be pretty dark. I like the scenes from on high where they're kind of like basically wiggling through the trenches trying to get past the yeah. army that's it's and it's only like the trench is only one person wide right and i don't mean dark from a theme standpoint i mean like dark as in we couldn't watch that game of thrones episode with the big battle yeah, the, i didn't the brightness. i didn't notice as much as that uh, that as you seem to notice I, I didn't have an issue i i had an issue with the ticking clock because that's a blatant Dunkirk right. imitation. Right. It kind of works, but all right, whatever. That's kind of where I fall on this, too, with me anyway. I think I'm beyond my breaking point with war movies. Like, we've seen it all done by masters of the craft at this point, and not to say Sam Mendes isn't one, but Dunkirk kind of reeled me back in because it was really a unique take. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. There wasn't as heavy uh, interaction between the characters. The score was basically its own character in place of other dialogue that wasn't there in the movie, so... 
I think I need something unique to happen. This looks kind of like just a generic war movie to me, but with really high production values. Not could, that's a bad thing. You know, it could be. It could be at the end of the day. We're coming off, uh, you know, two years ago where a movie like this did big business. Yeah. So Hollywood typically, you know... Doubles, There's money to be made, They certainly. double down. They double down. They and you a, I, you love war movies. I mean, you seem to have high marks about them every time we see a trailer for a new one. So there's obviously a fan base out there that still eats it all up. I also thought it was funny that Sam Mendes, when he was going over the accolades in this trailer, American Beauty, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, makes some sense, though. I mean, it's a totally different kind of movie. Well, right, movie. but it was his best picture win. And, right. you know, he'd. Uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, that legacy. No, Skyfall. The Skyfall yeah. audience is going to go to this, yeah. right? That makes sense. Next trailer, Mike, is The Lighthouse. <laughs> why don't you spill your beans? Is that what he said? <laughs> or is Why'd You Spare the Bees? Yeah. Or some combination of the two? He keeps saying it, and I can't figure it this out. Is a, this is a movie about Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson making their own honey. Um, I don't know what I watched in this trailer. Was Robert Pattinson having tentacles at one point? Did I see that right? They're probably eating tentacles at some point, right? They 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 put a you know box down below, and they grabbed an octopus, and that's dinner for you know dinner and lunch the next day. I, Robert Eggers is nuts, right? He's a he's a wild director, and he was able to bring in two actors here who fully embrace whatever character they're given. And man, does it look like Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are going for it in this. They're the perfect semen, aren't they? <laughs> uh, they, they really just embody that quote-unquote stereotype, especially yeah. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And as a younger version, Pattinson, I'm sure, is going to do a perfect job, but he's got the pipe. You think this is a bit of a psychological thriller, perhaps? I get that vibe from it. It's certainly a, a kind of a thriller, horror movie type score that goes along with it. If it's not it. The Fog, it's a psychological thriller. It is The Fog. I'm trying to give you too. an out. No, it, uh, there's no out. I'm the one that's <laughs> going to be right about this. This is John Carpenter's sequel to The Fog from 1980. No, this does seem to be a, a bit of a psychological thriller. I'm wondering if we're in... Sh well, I don't want to give it. I was just about to give a huge spoiler away. I won't do that. But I wonder if we're in some type of territory where a a one of these men is completely a figment of another's imagination. Well, they, that's what you're asking, right? Did he kill the other guy already? Right. Or are they literally in, a, in this crazy duel for their lives? It's one of them's mentally ill. and. Yeah. They're, he's going to kill the other and one. Because... Seems to, when I think of a guy that's going to run a lighthouse, that seems like the loneliest gig in the world. There's got to be paranoia and isolation that sets in. Mm -hmm. So those themes and those kind of trademarks seem to be being brought to the forefront, which I appreciate. And again, you got two actors that are willing to just be psychotic on screen. Is it a metaphor for indie podcasting? Which is my take and first read of it. You know, Mike and I are basically stuck on this island of microphones. Yeah. We're forced to do this all the time. We don't we get some audience interaction, not enough. <laughs> like we'll go to town and get supplies once in a while. I'll bring Dunkin' Donuts here and there. Uh -huh. But I we wanna kill each other, we wanna hug each yeah. other, we wanna dance, we wanna drink. Yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, it's like right up our alley, right? I Oscar. I'm very, I'm very excited to see this. I would like to see, uh, hopefully it does have Oscar's legs. You know, Defoe seems to be doing more animated, in an animated way, I should say, than what he was nominated right. for last year in playing at Eternity's Oh, Game. he's a caricature out of some, you know, cartoon. Right. Hanna-Barbera sailor cartoon right. in, this, in this trailer. But he's, he's playing it to a T. I love it. 
I, I did want to mention something about the pacing of this trailer and trailers like this. And when we got the the Double V Vitch trailer, mm-hmm. it was this up tempo paced movie. It's this beautiful montage. I always get fooled by these slow brooding, slower paced horror movies. The slow burns, mm-hmm. if if I may. We never get the trailer that represents that movie, right? Because it would be too strange. It wouldn't sell it hard enough. You might give it away, too. You don't want to give away more than anything you have to about this plot. So I'm going to try not to get fooled. Now, I would love a fast-paced horror movie from Robert Eggers and let him do something different, let him do something like this trailer, but... Maybe I'm just being stupid here, and I always get fooled by, uh, <laughs> just like I always get fooled by the Food Network, and I have to eat something immediately afterwards. I am just easily vulnerable or gullible or manipulated, I get, I think. Great early scores for the Lighthouse across the board. I think it's carrying above an 8 right now on IMDb as well. It's a 90-something percenter, and got, a lot of people loved it when it they showed. It had its debut at Cannes. The only downfall, I would say, for its Academy chances is that it is A24, and A24 needs to do a lot more when it comes to for your consideration right. campaigns than we've seen from them in the last couple of years. And finally, it is in black and white, which is good. It looks good in this trailer, sure. but it should have subtitles because I can't understand these <laughs> guys, most of what they're saying. Yeah, I think that might be purposeful. So <laughs> subtitles and black and white? That's yeah, a problem. Yeah, it would be a problem. Yeah, a little foreign <laughs> film action for you. Uh, we'll move on to the second trailer for, that we saw from Queen and Slim. So trailer one, the first trailer we saw of this movie, gave us the idea that we're getting a modern day Black Bonnie and Clyde movie set against the backdrop of some really relevant and current social issues. The first half of this trailer continues that idea, and it even gives a suggestion that we're going to go citywide, and we kind of have this opposite of the the incident that set off the Ferguson protest going on, where we have these two young black people that accidentally kill this white, probably power-tripping, probably racist cop. Well, we see the murder as self-defense in the first right. trailer. We get another, you know, long snippet of it in this trailer. Mm-hmm. So we know it's self-defense. Right. It's, it's a clear read for all of and us. And it's likely that cop was racially motivated right. and was on a bit of a white supremacist kick. Absolutely. Now, this has been pitched as like a Bonnie and Clyde thing. It's in one of the trailers as well where someone... Just the title yeah, somebody call Yeah, somebody calls them the Black Bonnie and Clyde in the Queen first Queen and Slim trailer. Bonnie right. and Clyde. Now, I wish I didn't listen to the last podcast on the left the last two weeks because they just did a three-part series on Bonnie and Clyde. And <laughs> after I listened to the Manson's uh, family stuff for uh-huh. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I listened to some of that. Uh, I think I got one more episode to go. Bonnie and Clyde were scumbag murderers. and it, yeah. it, it, They were romanticized. So yeah, it, like bothers you? No, it, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it, it was a little bit news to me. I thought they were more, you know, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right, right. No, like this... the movie showed, but in the real life scenario, like it's just different scenarios. Right, these seem to be two genuinely decent people. That genuinely were, innocent people. Right, that yeah. were wrong place, wrong time type setup through no fault of their own. But there's also this harsh tonal shift within this trailer that... I mean, it's a hard left turn that we're going to emphasize the romanticism between the two characters here, which I appreciate, but I also think that's a hell of a tightrope to walk. If you want, I I worry that this, it's Melina Metsukis. I don't know much about her work, but boy, if you're going to focus on the romantic relationship between the two characters and touch on all these cultural and citywide issues and really be at the forefront of commentating on them and what it's like to be a black person under these circumstances... I just hope 
that this doesn't do what some other movies that have attempted to touch on all these issues and highlight them and bring them to the forefront have done because there's this tendency for these types of movies to go you know ocean wide but river deep they don't they just try to highlight as much as they can and in that they get lost and don't really sink the plot into any one storyline or through line i really don't want that to happen i have faith yeah. i i mean i i'm i'm in love with what i'm seeing and it inspires and and i have hope that this is going to be able to do that but we've seen this before where films have fallen flat I totally agree. Uh, I will say that the cinematography looks beautiful. Yes. The stills that we get that I'm able to put in the collages, I, I really love. Jody Turner-Smith is putting on a looks good performance. Awesome. Daniel Kaluuya is putting on a good performance. You got an ensemble of notable mm -hmm. uh, names like Chloe Sevigny, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Lena Waithe who wrote this, who wrote that Master of None episode. That was one of our favorite yep. episodes of TV of that year, who just signed a huge deal for Amazon. And I think it's a good omen that she just signed that huge deal for Amazon because this probably factored into it, right? Amazon probably had access to this script, so the fact that she might be having an Oscar campaign for herself, I, I called her a likely nominee, mm. you know, when we did our mid-year yep. report, so the fact that she's going to be one of those hot writers going into the next whatever, year or so, it made sense that Amazon backed up the, the dump truck yeah. for her, uh, filled with money. And I would hope that dump truck gets backed up to us someday. <laughs> Probably not, but we're on a lighthouse. We're stranded in the middle of nowhere. In a, and by the way, you know, Roma uh, did just fine, award season-wise, right. black and white subtitles, but they should probably just embrace it. Anyway, <laughs> Queen of Slim, go back to it. a few red flags in this trailer based on the tonal shift, I would agree. Yeah, uh, that said, you hit on it. I'm convinced Kaluuya is going to find himself nominated it again based on what i'm seeing here yeah it's he it's one of those of world. performances that that looks like it's it's a powder keg performance yeah. it looks like you know he's got a lot of oscar real scenes right don't they feel like yes. snippets from oscar real scenes sure do sure do get that get that vibe myself we'll move on mike we got our first look at the I don't know what the hell you want to call it. Controversial, maybe? Jojo Rabbit from Taika Waititi. So they're speaking English with New Zealand accents as German characters in Germany? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they could explain this away. I don't know how sure. this is going to work, but they can explain it away as like a New Zealand grandfather or Australian grandfather <laughs> telling his grandkids about his upbringing over there before he came over here. Sure. And they can all speak in New Zealand accents. It could be a gag. It could be funny. I don't want to set it up like that's exactly going to happen. This is the might princess bride, but with Hitler. Right. It might be <laughs> funny. And then, yeah, the, if the Hitler's a projection in the kid's mind, even though you have Sam Rockwell doing Nazi stuff. <laughs> like, I thought he was getting away from playing racist. I think that this is just his his career now. Oh, no. He's just the bad guy racist. They do say it's just a satire. It's a literal mm -hmm. you know, title card in yep. this trailer. Taika Waititi is funny on first watch. I love his dancing, like sideways dancing. <laughs> He's throwing out his elbow. That's a goofy-ass dance. I love it. And the joke at the end is kind of fine. It made me laugh the first time. Upon rewatch, doesn't really make it right. make me laugh. So it's, you know, it's one of those weird trailers, Mike. It looks very Wes Anderson-y. Very Wes Anderson-y. Very, very Wes Anderson-y. I agree. I'm rooting for this one, but if, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm a little disappointed, and I don't know what to think because I had high hopes for this movie. I yeah, after seeing this, I'm not sure this is an Oscars contender. Can you imagine the Academy actually nominating a performance or script on something that's this atypical? I understand that we have the Widening Academy, we're getting more yeah. diverse, we have different viewpoints, but the 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 whole 
Hitler is a fish out of water mentor for a literal Hitler youth storyline being Academy nominated in a satire. I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know either. He's got to <laughs> nail the satire. He's just got to nail right. the story. I mean, right. If he does, I hope he does. And they don't know how to market it because it's just really strange movie. It looks bizarre. It looks bizarre. It really does look bizarre. I'm hopeful for it. We both love Taika Waititi. He's an uber-talented uh, force in the industry and uh, certainly on the come-up. So maybe this does do it. I would love to see it. But let's go to something that's maybe a little more stereotypically Oscar-nominated throughout history. We'll talk about the look of Harriet we finally got. Yeah, this is quacking like an Oscar yeah, duck, as we is. always like love to say. I've watched this five-plus times already, and it gave me goosebumps every single time. High production values. Yep. The cinematography is extraordinary. The costumes are extraordinary. The production design, it's all incredible, Mike. And I remember... Talking to you about production design, like how is production yeah. design going to work here? They're just going to be in a field, basically. A field, yeah. or there's or a woods. lot of dirt, yeah. or woods. It's going to be crappy. No, we're like taking a tour of all these Civil War cities, pre-Civil War cities. All I mean, we're we're taking a tour of the Underground Railroad from the South through through nature, through through all these homes and 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 city and city apartments, etc. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it does. It really does. Cynthia Revo is, and I love it. She is like an action hero in this trailer. Yep. Now, I love that's the direction they're going with her, right? Because she must have been. If this story is as true, and I don't know, I shame on me. I don't know this story well enough. And, and that's I don't think you're alone. Reason there. I, I think that's I think yeah. that's one of the highlights of this is that, and I was caught just the same. We all know Harriet Tubman the name, mm -hmm. and we all know the Underground Railroad, the idea of it. But I don't know that we necessarily are very familiar with the ins and outs of what actually this woman yeah. had to go through, and actually the danger she put herself in. So she escaped, and then she's gonna go back and save her whole That's family like that. Unbelievable! Is it that, she, and that, that she, right? Then she makes a career of going back and forth of helping everyone else, uh, other people escape. Can you think of a bigger hero huh. than that? Crazy. I, I can't think of a bigger hero than that. So the, the action's very intense. The stakes couldn't be higher. Mm -hmm. if, if you know, as true as this is, I I just I might I'm like shaking after I watch these things. So it, it's really incredible. Did she really get that Northern Regiment to go back and and you know put guns on people? That's that's just that's a kick-ass badass thing happening right there. She, she's jumping off bridges to escape recapture. I mean, if that actually happened, this is. Credit to you. You've been high on this since the jump. Credit to our buddy Clayton Davis there. He was on this from his first Oscars 2019-2020 right. show that he does a day after the Academy Awards as well. Everyone assumed this to be the case anyway with that in mind, but it's nice to have it confirmed that we look like we truly do have our first Best Actress nominee in stone here. Ariva looks like she's going crazy in this role. She's embracing, talk about embracing and falling yeah. into a character. She's going to have a ton of incredible scenes uh, in this movie. There's no way around it. There are a few red flags, though. Sure. We have a lot of tell-off scenes mm -hmm. where you have some obvious characters just giving her the devil's advocate. No, you can't go. And it's very, it's not well written in the trailer. Fair. I worry slightly, and then she gives you this very, you know, I'm in a historical biopic tell-off. We're both a little... Yeah, I, 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 so that to me suggests that the picture might have trouble as a breakthrough, but I would think for Erivo yeah. to really struggle or stumble at, at any point, it, it's going to need some serious tonal... It's going to need like script assassination of the character, and I don't think if you're writing the yeah, Harry no, Tubman movie, not, not you can do that anyway. No. So 
to me, I would think I feel most comfortable in saying she's probably going to break through here, if not the picture, because you're right, there are red flags here for the picture in general. Right. But we did say, like, cinematography, production value. There's, mm-hmm. there's probably going to be a production value or two. Original song. If that's an original yeah. song in this trailer, that was a great song. And, yeah, her performance and maybe a supporting performance. And I know this isn't, you know, important to anything, but, again, it's just actually seeing it as opposed to thinking or reading about Harry Tubman, but... To watch her race around and sneak around in the woods with these dresses that are basically hula hoops at the <laughs> yeah, bottom, walking through swamps and mud, it's just mind-blowing stuff that you have to actually <laughs> escape capture with, then that's your clothing for the time and the period. Unbelievable. Incredible. A beautiful day in the neighborhood, Mike. We long overdue reviewing yep. this trailer. We loved Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Fred sure Rogers bio documentary the last actual year. Best documentary feature of 2018. Uh, yep. We sure thought so, and we sure thought they just did a great job of dramatizing that biopic. They they had all these real stakes, psychological stakes, stakes for the, you know, the industry at large, stakes for the country at large, wondering if this guy was as genuine yeah. as he was putting on and you had all those that that questioning going on throughout the film. Now we get a biopic. The year later, Mariel Heller's directing, Tom Hanks is starring. Mm-hmm. It looks like an impersonation to a degree, but it's also still very much Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's not think? really throwing his voice at all. He's just playing. And then again, you know, if any actor was going to be the Mr. Rogers of Hollywood, of course it's Tom Hanks anyway, so I don't know that he needs to necessarily do a caricature or an impersonation of Fred Rogers himself because he's got the notoriety of being just the nicest guy in history anyway. He's done this throughout his career. He rarely just becomes another character. Right. Like, he's still Tom Hanks. Yeah. And Matt Damon's the same way, and all these movie stars right. are the same way. They are a movie star, and then they'll give you some flair, they'll give you some affectations towards the you know the mimicry of it all. Which is why Leo's probably the leader for Best Actor. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you don't have your heart strings pulled by just this trailer. I was surprised that there's kind of like this darkness with the Matthew Reese character trying to expose Mr. Rogers almost. I like that. I can't imagine he finds anything, right? Because if there was any kind of skeletons in Fred Rogers' closet, they would have been exposed, and we all as critics would have seen them in the documentary last year, wouldn't we have? I wonder. I think uh, the documentary more than hinted at a bunch of things. Uh, and there was a. We talked about it. We reviewed that. Go back to it. Yeah, but the, not in his personal life, I didn't feel I mean, like. Skeletons, no. Right. But he like, did not, have I, an I, issue with the co worker. Yeah. And that was a theme that he had to come around right. on. That's that was a good something point. he was very wrong on. He, he does have his politics, he does have his religion, and the religion Fair. can be a bit staunch at times. And I do think he's going to be kind of told off in a way, like, this guy's going to be like, there's no way you're really like this, this all the genuine, time. You're full yeah. of shit. Right. You know, basically this guy's going to be calling him out and you're full of shit. And, you know, we heard in that documentary that Fred would speak in another voice mm-hmm. if he wanted to talk some trash at the dinner table. So there's definitely... There's definitely a lot of th- little things that could be blown up into this story. It was just said on Bill Simmons' podcast, though. He and Chuck Klosterman were talking about the fact that they don't want dimensions to the Fred Rogers character. They don't want to and I, know. I think the studio is aware of that because even in this trailer, you have the one the the 
woman who looks like she's the girlfriend or wife of Matthew Reese's reporter character saying, don't ruin my childhood. Yeah. You know, that, that seems to be a very prevalent issue to this film, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a running theme as well. I totally agree, and the, the question I have is, do we really need this movie? Is it going to play well? Here's the thing that I've seen in multiple viewings of this trailer with an audience. They respond. There's a lot of chatter during this trailer, after the trailer, there's a lot of, oh my God, yay. People seem to like yeah, this a of lot. Course. And it bewilders me as to why the documentary last year didn't get Oscar nominated. Because we as Americans, I understand the BAFTAs, you don't want to nominate it, whatever. But Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is a very American institution. It's, a lot along, it's akin to Sesame Street and Barney with all our upbringings. It, it, it blows my mind. I don't think the Academy is going to forget the snubbing that the Fred Rogers property last year underwent when it comes to this movie. So if this is a typical Tom Hanks performance, if this is a typical Mariel Heller film, I think it might get a little bit of a boost based on the snubbing that the documentary went under last year. But for me, great song in the trailer, great production design, and I'm getting, you know, goosebumps and choked up by the time I reach the end of the trailer. Here, I agree. So. I, lo I loved it. And last year, Won't You Be My Neighbor was very successful for a documentary. Yeah, I think it set records or got, uh, definitely came close to him. 22.8 million dollars. It's still streaming on all your, uh, I think it's like on Stars or HBO or something like that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's a premium channel. Stream for you to watch at any time and listen to our you know episode it's a fantastic documentary we loved it mike we had our second trailer for the goldfinch that debuted as well oh no nailed this one they, sh they should have stopped at one <laughs> i kind of stopped being so confident damn it because i've been so wrong about trailers but yes this one does not look as oscar-y as the first trailer which we were both kind of impressed by very impressed by you had the bombing scenario mm -hmm. you had beautiful cinematography the music was gorgeous yes. you had good performances from big stars you had potential jeffrey wright breakout you had mm -hmm. nicole kidman you had the goods in that first there was, trail. A, there was a lot of ingredients for an oscar stew there that looked to be melding well and then this trailer is like the parody that our friend nick kocher did for britannic so we've commented over and over about this one had its date moved. This was a nice, historically Oscar-important date in mid-late October. They pulled yeah. it back to early-mid-September. Bad that Omen. usually indicates that it's a picture that was once thought a contender that the studio is having second thoughts about. Based on this trailer, this is what I would imagine is in this movie if you're going to move those dates like the studio did. That end montage in this trailer is just a co epic fail. Yeah, it is the most cliched thing you ever yeah. saw. I hated the music, and then I hated the reveal. Like they revealed a a big MacGuffin for the movie. It seemed I'm not even going to spoil it here, but it is very disappointing to to me. The like camera if that pulls back and it's Robert Pattinson actually in the <laughs> World Trade Center, that type of yeah. Oh, if that's what it's really about, I'm disappointed. It seems Oscar grabby in its own way, right. not in the way that we think maybe Judy kind of looks Oscar grabby or something like Jay Edgar historically we say was Oscar grabby, but this one kind of in its own way seems like it was Playing to the Academy is a very, very fickle business. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, there's a way to do it and if you're too obvious about it, you're going to lose points for doing it. <laughs> but if you don't do it, you might not get nominated. So it's really a tough through line and a tough tightrope to walk. All right, Mike, you got a lot to say about the new trailer for Gemini Man. <laughs> so I'm a rational human being. <laughs> I can admit when I made a mistake, uh, I'd like to take this time personally <laughs> to uh, apologize to Will Smith. 
I'm very sorry about <laughs> how down I've been on your film career lately. I've been very wrong. Um, I've seen the light now. I was wrong about Aladdin with you being the genie. I think I might have been wrong about Gemini Man. Apologies to Ang Lee as well. This trailer looked great. It was awesome. <laughs> it looked great. <laughs> Action movie goods like crazy. And you wonder if the first trailer got a lot of shade. Not just from us. And then they kind of dug deeper and they gave you too many of the big reveals, the payoffs. Because trailers will do that. Yeah. Too many payoffs in a trailer from a movie that could be thin on payoffs, especially if you're emphasizing all the drama and make you suffer to get to those payoffs. That could be a problem. Yeah. So I'm still going to throw that red flag out there. All that being said, you got a spinning motorcycle kick to the face. It's <laughs> awesome. You got the, you know, the grenade thrown against the window and then they shoot the grenade back at the other guy. And it looks like Will Smith, it's old young Will Smith hunting old Will Smith who are both super soldiers at the behest of Clive Owen whoever he works for. It looks like Will Smith is actually having a conversation with a person. Whether that's actually young Will Smith, you know, I mean, it looks like he's actually playing off something. And he did this throughout Aladdin, because he would get corny, right? He would just repeat a Robin Williams line, right. like, yeah. I would wince for a second, and then he would just have, like, this tell-off where it's just totally Will Smith. In this trailer, the, the kid's like, I'm the best in the world. Well, you're not right, the best in the in world, the are you? Head, like, yeah. that was the big movie star that. thing yeah. from that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's still Will Smith. I love him. Now, I know there's Ang Lee stands out there who were never worried about how Gemini Man would be once it finally came out but i think this trailer in this movie is actually benefiting from two things going in its favor big time this week one is that the trailer looks like it's a legitimately decent movie now. right it looks like a legitimately action decent looks action awesome movie. yeah and it, the, then they revealed the big you know suit with a guy on top of the oh, that's crazy yeah, look. it looks like a great action movie and the other one is the irishman's trailer yeah i mean unfortunately because the irishman brings up as many questions and looks as kind of questionable as we say it does this one, in contrast, really looks like it kind of nailed the technology. If you look at the trailer, the extended trailer, they talk about how it's not de-aging technology they use. They actually created young Will Smith from just a computer. They're wow. not really using Will Smith at all there. So that's fascinating to me. I'm not smart enough to know what the technical differences are between what Gemini Man is doing and what the Irishman is doing. But having this trailer up against the Irishman where 77-year-old Robert De Niro looks like he's de-aged to a 75-year-old Robert De Niro, <laughs> it's a big deal. It, it really is a feather in this movie's cabinet. It looks like we could maybe have an Oscar-type thing here with Gemini Man. Uh, I just thought of something really mean to say and it involved Ray Liotta. I'm not going to do it because <laughs> they could have just cast Ray Liotta. <laughs> it's terrible, 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 terrible. I get on old people for doing Botox. I'm sorry. It just looks weird. I, I don't. I, if anybody asks me, old people should not get shinier. It's just the way to just look old. Be your old. I'm gonna be old someday. Well, I'm gonna look old someday. In that vein, that might be a little bit of what we see wrong with the de aging technology. Yeah. Now, the, the aging here doesn't look spot on. I mean, there's still enough you can criticize but it's about a it. Composition that works, like the whole body type works. Mm -hmm. It looks like Fresh Prince of Bel Air right. Will Smith, and, and and it works. And it's a younger kid, and versus older Will Smith, who is the actual dude. So, I, I I would be surprised if this is a decent movie. If visual effects doesn't have some type something to say about it at the Oscars, the visual effects category. Now, and this is this is a movie that has a legacy attached to yeah. it, where people know how to campaign for Oscars. It's a Jerry Brockheimer movie. It's Ang Lee. It's Will Smith. These are all people. Paramount has money in it. Yep. These are all entities that know how to campaign and have won Oscars. Well, not Will Smith, obviously, but no, I totally agree. Like the the 
the ensembles there, the uh, the power b- behind the cameras there. Ang Lee makes good movies. Mm-hmm. It's a dumb title, I think. I, I don't disagree. I don't like the title, and there's some dumb dialogue in here. Sure, like Clive Owen with all the "I love you" stuff. What is that? Like, what are you talking about? I don't think this is going to contend for best picture. Right. <laughs> At the end of the day, this might be a kick-ass action movie. It's a win, regardless, isn't it? Because right now we're talking about we're talking glowingly about one movie that's using de-aging technology, and it's not Scorsese's. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a win for this movie, regardless. So, kudos to them. <laughs> Better than the other thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, just immediately, yeah. by comparison, like you said, it matters. Mike, we want to talk about the kitchen trailer, too. I love this. This was good. I like the Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I really like the Margot Martindale. I love that she's playing like this Margot Martindale's in your movie, man. Run away. Oh, you know great. bad things are about to go down. She's got huge hair in that trailer, too. <laughs> yeah, and she does. I, oh, Made up very nice. I loved her in The Americans. I thought she was phenomenal. One of she's the great. Best, she's awesome. The best parts of that show. Look, this might not be Oscar-worthy at the end of the day. Elizabeth Moss doesn't know that. Yeah. She, oh my God, her performance, the twitches on her face, all the subtleties and nuances, like, it's crazy. The performance she's delivering in this trailer blew me away. I feel like all we needed was Tarantino to finally release his movie, and now every kind of wannabe Oscar contender is following suit and bringing the heat all of a sudden, which we've been waiting for for a couple months because it's been a slow first half of 2019 as far as awards contenders go. But I echo what you're saying here. To me, I don't know that this is going to win Oscars. I would like to see it there at the end of the day, but it seems like it has something that could contend in it. It's certainly a a feminist forward movie. Hmm. Melissa McCarthy looks like she's straight out of Staten Island and sounds like she's straight out of Staten Island with this character. Uh, Yeah, I like Melissa McCarthy's performance and Tiffany Haddish as well. I think McCarthy has shown it before. Haddish has has been a star Mm -hmm. comedically. We haven't seen her perform in a a drama, comedy, whatever this is going to wind up being at the end of the day. I think the villainy is struggling a little bit. I really love Bill Camp in most things. I think he's he's been a character actor for so long. And he's finally having his moment in recent years, and I'm really happy for him. Yeah, I'm surprised that that mob boss character isn't being played by, like, a Ray Liotta character, somebody more well-known for doing their mafioso work in previous films. It's just like he's being the guy that is just being so arrogant that you want to punch him in the face so bad. And And they all are. Some of the dialogue in this trailer. is not great. You girls kill me. Okay, all right. It's like, <laughs> I don't want you to do it in this cuts of fightings. I want you to show me how to do it. Elizabeth Moss in the car is like, oh it's my not God. The, the face she's making right. while she says that is incredible. Sure. You want to go back to how it was? I'd rather die than go back. You know, take it yeah. easy. You know, we get it. <laughs> we understand. So it is Andrea Burloff, wildly talented writer. Let's hope it's Andrea Burloff at her straight out of Compton more than it is Andrea Burloff at her sleepless. So... Right. I have faith. I'm very excited for this one. I hope it does have Oscar legs. Yeah, and worst case, let's get a good movie about a true story with yeah. great performances, and it might be a kick-ass action movie where we want to kill some gangsters. Yeah. Is that bad? No. no. I'm in. Let's go, August. Where'd you go, Bernadette trailer 2? This was very strange. Very strange. The first trailer did not tell us where she went. The second trailer tells us exactly Why would where the trailer do this? The title is Where'd You Go, Bernadette? <laughs> so at least adapt it and put it a different name on the movie. Don't tell us where she went. Let's go on a beautiful adventure with Bernadette. <laughs> right. Or let, Yeah, I mean, uh, Richard Linklater knows how to make good movies, right? This is bewildering. And of course he does. 
I loved the performance by Kate Blanchett. She's doing another one, like, with these scenes that aren't that good. She's, like, crying and sniffling and happy and smiling and ten things at once I in think the trailer. of the trailers we're reviewing, and it's tough to do this, but we are going to do a top five at the end of this, but judging the performances that what were given in these trailers and what these studios choose to showcase in the trailers, this yeah. one had the best performances. Not only Kate Blanchett, who's acted her balls off. Yeah. Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. The hoity toity Japanese <laughs> maple caring neighbor there. I, like, I loved her. I liked her a lot. There, there's definitely a, this is like a children's story novelistic feel to yes. this. Like a stranger than fiction kind of thing. Well, like that's a, what the, the book is, right? Isn't it a YA Mary, novel? Yeah, it's like a Mary Poppins kind of too crazy to be true, right. but it is true. It's a little more based in reality, but it, it's very children's story like. This goes in line, this Where'd You Go Bernadette leading Kate Blanchett having this kind of coming of age, even though she's a middle-aged woman right. type yeah, story. Midlife crisis right. kind of thing. Yeah. Midlife crisis, that's probably a better way to put it, um, depending on your perspective, I guess. <laughs> uh, it goes in line with the Palms, the wine countries, the Dianes, where we get the protagonist that's a middle-aged or, or bordering on elderly woman, and we get to see life through their lens. It's not something that Hollywood has historically put money into. Sure. It's nice to see that this is kind of a new genre of film that's making its way, and to have it have Academy legs like Kate Blanchett's performance may have, or at least that we think it does based on what we've been showed so far, awesome. Again, mid-August... You know, The Kitchen yep. and Where'd You Go, Bernadette, they're now both being released in mid-August, so I don't know if we're going to watch them and then maybe review them. We don't know. Right now, we're hopeful for mm -hmm. both of these movies. If they get well-reviewed, you might see some Oscar sprint profiles. We shall see. Blows my mind that they gave away where Bernadette went. Yeah. <laughs> Blows my mind. <laughs> I can't believe it. All right, another movie that's coming out in short order here is Light of My Life. This is the Casey Affleck film where there's no woman, women left in the world in this dystopian future except for his daughter who he's dressing like a, a boy who shaved her head, you know, gender stereotype to boy, I guess. And he's basically hiding her from all the other whatever Mad Max guys that are roaming around. It's every father's nightmare it's something that I don't want to like because it's like over the top hype concept, and yet this trailer is pretty good. Yeah, like it's like some... a quiet place meets Children of Men meets Room almost type thing. It's really like they're jumping out of windows and really he's... unique. His performance is awesome, and her performance is awesome, and there's some really scary dudes that they're pit up against. You make the point that it's tough to watch Casey Affleck after what he's been accused of and alleged to have done. I, I echo that, especially it's tough to watch him get violent. Uh, that rubbed me the wrong way in this, yeah, he, knowing what has come out against him or at least been alleged against it's him. It's tough to watch Casey Affleck, after everything he's accused of, get the opportunity to tell us a story and tell us a moral. Dystopian yeah. sci-fi are typically... Very moralistic, just same way that horror movies are. These genre films are about, they're fables, they're modern day mm -hmm. fables. And we're going to allow this guy who has a lot of shit he has to deal with and answer for, yep. give us a fable? Now, I mean, the same you know argument could be said against Roman Polanski, but I would be much more definitive. Like, I'm not going to fucking see yeah. Jacuzzi or right. whatever that's called. I'm just right. not going to see it. No, I, you know, fuck him. Of course. Done. Now, I, then maybe there's somebody in a high place that realizes this and agrees because this, at least the way the, the trailer ends, seems like it's going straight to VOD. 
typically straight to VOD type movies aren't going to be considered or given much right. weight uh, with campaigns and going for Oscars and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah, it's going to be released in like ten theaters or whatever. So th- I think what they're thinking is like it's going to maybe if it does well, right. it'll be platformed. But they're probably you're right, probably VOD. D- is that enough to say that it's okay that he made this movie in the first place? I don't know. I don't think so. He's an Oscar caliber level actor. If he puts an Oscar caliber level performance, do we have to recognize it at the end of the day? Yeah. I'm just, I, I get aggravated because yep. the industry continues to give guys like this a chance to make his, sure. to, to write and direct his own movie instead of other worthy people who actually have, you know, things to say that we can trust. I mean, don't you, don't you abuse the trust of your audience at some point? Or you just don't think much of them at all. You don't. You don't. You're insulting their intelligence a little bit. You know. You, yeah, you think they'll, they're willing to forget as long as they get, they're entertained. I'm very aggravated by this. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, it will be Casey Affleck's first time in the directorial chair since he's worked with Joaquin Phoenix in that mockumentary of "I'm Still Here." Sure. Uh, we'll move on to Twenty One Bridges, which had a special Comic Con trailer released. So J.K. Simmons is the bad guy, right? Yep. That's it for Twenty One Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see this movie. It looks pretty wild. It looks You intense. were down on this when you first I saw was. the trailer. I'm still going to see it, though, right? It's Chadwick Boseman's J.K. Simmons. It's this. It's basically like the, the half the cast from the town. Right. The other half is from, you know, the Oliver Stone, whatever that. The MCU, movie. too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got the Russo brothers who are producing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got this good omen, I think, perhaps. This film was moved from September 27th to November 22nd. Okay. I get that you don't want to compete with the Joker because the Joker's getting great word of mouth all of a sudden. All of a sudden. Right. To move it two months to the Thanksgiving weekend, that's a that's an Oscars thing. Isn't it? Or is it counter-programming? I don't know. We, we haven't studied this for long enough, perhaps. But I definitely get the I fact mean, Thanksgiving that, weekend was yeah. Green Book last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's other big names this year that are coming out Thanksgiving. So it's not like you're stripping it of all competition you're directly putting it against some other big names it's a rare case where kind of a you know marvel adjacent whatever because these you know you got the same producers and the star involved they are kind of making a decision to get away from dc for a change Mm -hmm. that's that's new news to us yeah the production values look phenomenal yes they do I think we got the Russo brothers producing it. Brian Kirk has directed Game of Thrones episodes, Luther episodes, two shows I really like. Who I think, are, you know, he's a good, good thriller director. I gotta watch Luther. I never have, and I've always wanted. The to. The first few few seasons are awesome. Yeah, yeah. and then again, kind of tails off, falls like, off a little bit, yeah, yeah. like Dexter did or whatnot. But look, they're gonna close down Manhattan. <laughs> are you kidding? They didn't close down the island for nine eleven. I like what are we talking that about? it takes nothing more than a police sergeant's suggestion to do it, too. Like, there's not going to be more red tape than that to actually close all the bridges and incident tunnels. What the <laughs> fuck are we talking about? That's absurd. Hey, can you close off Manhattan? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see this. I think what we're learning here of these trailers is this is the last one we'll focus on for this part of the, you know, first day of this uh, <laughs> part of the <laughs> podcast. There's a lot of movies that aren't typically Oscar fodder yeah. that maybe are in this new day and age but are more action bent and that goes back to last year we loved Mission Impossible Fallout mm-hmm. we thought just based on a film that should have been considered for some kind of best picture somewhere if not at the academy level then maybe somewhere else stunt should be in a category itself Yeah. so I wonder if we're kind of 
with horror getting more respect, maybe action is the next genre to get more respect than Academy Legs. This there is certainly a paradigm shift going on. Now you can attribute that to many things. You can attribute it to big studios only making franchise films anymore. So those are the only really big budget movies that get or we can consider sure. for Academy consideration. Sure. There's all kinds of things that go into it. But nonetheless, the fact is, action movies seem to be having be take, being taken more seriously than the typical Steven Seagal, Arnold Schwarzenegger, throw it against the wall and see what sticks days. I totally agree, and I think that's a direct result of the MCU and, and these Agreed. big franchise films being so successful that even the mid-budget films that are made with Oscar-caliber talent, they'll make a, a, an action movie. And I don't think this is totally new. I think we've had this in the past. I agree. I mean, the, yeah, something yeah. like The Departed is a, is a su- uber successful version. You know, the Coen brothers doing an art film version of the of, of the action movie with No Country for Old Men. This has been done before, and they've won Best Pictures. However, this is like, you know, straight-up genre film mm-hmm. in 21 Bridges. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be an Oscar film at the end of the day. I, I don't think, think so curi- either. But it's curious, the, the change of the release. I'll tell you what, if nothing else, there's going to be more people talking about it than they would have if they just released it a week before The Joker. Yeah, absolutely. Top five performances we saw in a trailer this week. Yeah, Michael. so when we grow up and we're big boys and adults and have our shit together, we're going to have certain drops for different segments in this episode. But one of the things we do want to do every week is we're going to have a top five Oscar-related countdown for you. And this week, to kick things off, we thought we would be kind of cute since we're reviewing so many trailers over the last two <laughs> weeks. We'll have top five performances that were shown to us in trailers. So now, this is not necessarily what we think are most likely to be nominated for performances at the end of the day but considering these are all maybe potentially could be Oscar movies we're going to take and rank our top five performances we saw in these little snippets so the top five performances that were actually given to us in these trailers let's count it down starting with your number five Michael I had to go Tom Hanks boom I mean I just I had to do it right uh, you, uh, you have a cooler list here but I went a little more obvious uh, alright you're, you're number five I'm in, Tom Hanks is in my okay Top five, right, but it's not my number five. My number five is Kristen Wiig. I loved her character that we saw from Where, Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Immediately makes your list cooler than mine. <laughs> I, I, I did. I like Kristen, Kristen Wiig. My number four is Elizabeth Moss. I thought she was awesome. Like, that's just a twitch in her eye. Like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> twitch. I mean, that is there in this performance. I loved it. Between her work there and between what we saw from her in Light of My Life, I want to marry her. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is my number four because I think he's losing his mind, maybe legitimately in the Lighthouse trailer. He's my number three. I loved it so much, even though he is a caricature of a cartoon pirate seaman. I wonder if there's an aspect to his thinking. It's like, I I don't know what more I have to do to win an Oscar, so I'm just going to go overboard. (laughs) Literally. God, I I loved it. His performance of that. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. He's just a cartoonish <laughs> seaman, and he's making it Oscar-worthy. Yes. Uh, number three for me was Hanks, so what's your number two, Mike? My number two is Cynthia Erivo. I thought she was awesome. I wish she had a better dialogue at times. That is going to be a red flag for mm-hmm. the movie. There's no question about it, but just, oh my God, being like the... The heroic presence. Yeah, you in this said movie. she's an action hero. I think that's a really adept way of putting it. And I love how they're treating her as an action hero. Yeah, that, that makes total sense to me. 
uh, based on the, the, the real history that we, we know and that we want to know more about. I but. think our our two and one are the same people, just the difference order. Erivo was my one, it's your two. Kate Blanchett is my two, your one. But certainly I would say these are the two most that we got from any performances shown to us in these trailers. It's crazy. Kate Blanchett is laughing and crying at the same time in the same scene, yeah. in the same moment. I don't know how she does it. She's incredible. Yeah. Uh, co-sign, be the best. co-sign that breakdown there. That's your top five for the performances we saw in these 13 trailers. Let's move on now and talk about some film festival stuff. We'll have a roundup here for the film festival circuit, Michael. Yeah, New York, just a few stories real quick. The Irishman is going to open that festival. We're going to have Marriage Story as the centerpiece. We'll have more news on this one as we go. Uh, Mike, last year we had a bunch of Oscar movies in the New York Film Festival. Yeah. Favorite, Roma, Eternity's Gate, Scruggs, Cold War, Beale Street, Shoplifters. Oscar nominees go to the New York Film Festival, and you're going to see quality, well-made movies there. I remember going, frequenting that festival during my college years. I loved it. Yeah, this was something that you've done. You've been to the New York Film Festival a couple times yourself. Yeah, Fordham had a Lincoln Center campus, so I would literally take the Ram van over awesome. and then go see four movies at the freaking yeah. film festival in the fall. It would be a blast. The Irishman opening, that's kind of a big deal. We're going to get, we'll find out very soon. Soon and very quickly uh, if those visual effects do hold up or not. So TIFF is the next big festival, and it's it's huge. Michael. Toronto International Film Festival, yes. Jojo Rabbit's getting its world premiere here. It's also headed towards Fantastic Fest. Meryl Streep is going to be honored with an inaugural Tribute Actor Award, which is a lot of fun. If you're a body that has a board <laughs> and like you do things... This is a good point. You got you just give things to Meryl Streep, right? Just give things to Meryl Streep, right. and everybody's like, gonna love you. Exactly. How how is that not gonna get you good press? First, give things to Meryl Streep, and then go about your agenda. <laughs> right. That should be what you do. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. So they have gala presentations: A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Abominable, Clemency, Ford vs Ferrari, Harriet, Honey Boy, Hustlers, good Joker, Lord. The Goldfinch. So, so this is some big name movies, not just for the fall box office, but for. Oscar time and award season. And I think those are the ones that are actually in competition. Then there's a list, a whole list of that aren't. Well, special presentations, Emma or Emma, Jojo Rabbit, Judy Knives Out, Marriage Story. There's too many to mention. Parasite. Good Lord. You know, all the Cannes movies. You got all the New York Film Festival. David Copperfield are going to be there too. Pope's Netflix, be there. Lighthouse, Popes, Uncut Gems. Is that, what is Uncut Gems? I don't know, but I, I refuse to believe it's an Oscar contender of Adam Sandler's wearing that hairpiece he's wearing. Adam Sandler is wearing hairpiece, glasses, and a mustache. <laughs> He's done serious roles before. He's done decent drama and dramedies before. This is Safty Brothers. This yeah. is a Safty Brothers who made Good Time, which was an awesome yeah. Robert Pattinson movie. And we have Mr. Sandler, set in the Diamond District yeah. of New York City. Howard Ratner, a jewelry store owner and dealer to the rich and famous, must find a way to pay his debts when his merchandise is taken from one of his top sellers and girlfriend. So is Adam Sandler going to be turned into an action star? He's going to be... If well, he's repaying he's be a debt? Chased by a bunch <laughs> yeah. of, you know, collectors? Good God. Scary. What a world we live in all of a sudden with these movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's some people that have hope for that one for the Oscars. I think you had an award circuit had listed on a couple things Sure, uh, you mentioned when we were going over it the first time. Safety Brothers have been on the rise. I love that last movie. So, last year... Green Book won the People's Choice Award. At TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, yep. That has been an omen a few times in the past. Now, it's usually an omen for a Best Picture nominee, I would say. You really have to go back to find, you know, one-to-one, like 12 Years a Slave, yes. 
King's Speech, Slumdog Millionaire, American Beauty, all Best Picture winners. They won the, the TIFF mm-hmm. Audience Award. But it's not happening at frequent enough. Whatever, that's like 4 out of 12. or right. whatever. We didn't do the math. Right. But it, it's not frequent enough. Last year you had Beale Street, Roma, and Free Solo win awards here, though. Plus Green Book. These are Oscar contenders, mm-hmm. won awards at Toronto International Film Festival. Those were each also films that did win an Oscar last year. as They won some kind of category. Yes. So. so it matters. It does matter. Is this not a loaded lineup? Especially compared to last year. Last year, the one that opened the New York Film Festival was Outlaw King, and this year you're getting The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. It's a bit of a step up, at least I think. And it seems like the depth of this lineup is all, and maybe again, it's because of we just haven't had that many Oscar contenders in the first half of 2019, and they're all waiting for the second half, but it seems like the depth is loaded a huge lineup for films i wonder if it's recency bias because we're previewing the hell out mm-hmm. of it more so Could this be. year than in past years our mid-year oscar report ballooned from one episode last year to or two episodes last year to three plus we did a netflix pre- preview plus we went right into the oscar race update we haven't stopped doing oscar <laughs> stuff which is since the beginning of july which is what we're supposed to do and i love that we're back on brand so maybe it's just because we're in the thick of it maybe but also look at it objectively everything listed that you listed that's going to be in the new New York Film Festival, whether it's in competition or a specialty showing, it seems like something that's either won an award at Sundance or Cannes or had some sort of success. It's something we mentioned as a potential Oscars contender during our mid-year report, part one, two, or three, or it's just the movie that we're playing excited to see like as fans. You might be right. Last year, though, we had Burning, Long Day's Journey, and Tonight. We had last year's movies, this year's movies at the New York Film Festival, to say the least. They were all buzzed about, I remember. Sure. So I, I, What I'm saying is, I remember looking back at the slates right. last year, I remember all be everything you know standing out to me that said if i were to ask you in 2018 what's going to be a bigger deal if it opens new york film festival the outlaw king or the irishman oh yeah, yeah. it's the irishman it's the irishman right. you so you're right in that the the centerpieces and the the opening night it's a bigger deal i love the fact that tiff's got the blockbuster stuff as well as i always love that i always want to yep. go to this film festival and we're gonna to have to go at some point someday we got to get our butts up there here's where we may not want to go though we're not going there we're not going <laughs> venice this is really just a load of strange news coming from them right off the top. Yeah. We have just two female filmmakers in their film festival lineup. So okay. this is not good. So during our mid-year Oscar report, during the Best Director section, that's in part three, we ran down a list of possibilities or what seemed to be possibilities for Best Director. Yeah. And I think you rattled off 20 names. Maybe it was Best Picture. I don't remember which, but one of those two categories. And you rattled off 20 titles. And we said six of those are women-helmed pictures. Right. Is that a step up from last year? Yes. Is that good enough? Not by a long shot. And it's it's even highlighted and even worse uh, ratio here for the Venice Film Festival is 21 films in the competition and two of them are helmed by women. That's terrible, terrible numbers. This isn't a new take from us, but... There is this whole discussion in the Hollywood Reporter article. This was written by Scott Roxborough. He said that Venice Film Festival director Alberto Barbara said that he would quit if there was a hard and fast quota implemented for the film festival because he thinks that films should be taken on merit uh, as far as quality of film for competition. We don't disagree with that. We don't disagree. I also don't think this is a problem that the film festival should be burdened with adjusting to. Now, This is a studio issue. It might be a studio issue. I also wonder what the submission process is for these film festivals. I think, like you you said, it's a studio. Studios are sending them films. 
and marketing films. And, and the directors are, the, are marketing the films. The studios are the ones hiring the directors. Have they, yeah, have they developed such a reputation for showing mostly male-driven, male-directed films, and they got this old cadre of old men who are running the show to the point where they're looked at as, as not a, all that friendly film festival? Because you, they're receiving submissions, right? So I would agree with you. The 20 best films are directed by men yeah. or women in another right. another year, hopefully in the glorious future, then put all 20 sure. films directed by that gender. That's fine with us. Yeah, I, I would agree that having a hard and fast quota probably doesn't help anyone. My guess is that they're making deals, that they're negotiating, probably. and that they're recruiting, and that they're putting out feelers. And I don't know if this is well-known or not, but my guess is that they could have found a way to get more female-driven, more female-directed, more female-helmed films in here. And how about we force studios to hire more female and give more opportunities to more female-led yeah. films and directors? This is not even... Is this the percentage? I don't know. If this is the percentage on an industry-wide and that's, that's what they're looking at and that's why they thought this would play okay, I don't know why. I mean, they gotta be just dense human beings I can't even if buy they that, thought Mike. this would play. I can't even buy that this is the percentage industry-wide it because be. the studios are the ones that make the industry. Here's the next story. Roman Polanski is at this film festival yeah. with his new movie and you have only two out of your whatever how many films from female yep. directors yep. how dense are these people how dare you yeah i mean what the hell like this you know this is gonna be a, the worst look possible this man who pled guilty and is a convicted pedophile is getting an and it's finally being brought to yeah. task about it i mean it only took a 95 million dollar movie you right. know but you're you're absolutely right it's kind of disgusting and I don't have an explanation for it. I, I, I can't imagine this is going to bring good publicity. I don't know why you would do this, but hey, to each their own. Good luck, Venice, I guess. To get even stranger, two weeks ago we had a story from The Hollywood Reporter about Venice being under fire for including Netflix films. They're under fire from the cinema union in Europe. Right. So What? I I guess what does that mean? We'd have to go back in time because I know Cannes didn't showcase Netflix right. films. They're, they we'd had a go famous falling out a couple years ago. Berlin is the other of the big three. I don't remember if they had Netflix films. Now, this being a story see, almost seems like just put that story out there because that's less a problem than Roman Polanski being in and only two female yeah. filmmakers being in this because that that is a much bigger fucked up problem Agreed. for us. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's talk about this Netflix stuff So in, instead of doing all the other. What the hell is going on in, uh, with this Venice Film Festival? Very bizarre. Very bizarre stuff. I, maybe, I don't have an explanation. Maybe something they think they're doing, they're, they're playing by prestige, and they're trying to protect old Hollywood and the theater experience, but Look, I, I don't have an explanation. We are honestly a little bit ignorant about this. We're not all that familiar, but reading all the stories, starting to cover this, we don't, we're asking you, the audience, if you know, tell us, please. Mike, we do finally have a fun story about Venice, and this is a big deal because we love to cover D.C., and we're happy that Todd Phillips thinks the Joker can win the top prize. We're happy that our friends like Eric Weber at Awards Ace are, are reporting that people have seen the Joker and they think you know, Joaquin Phoenix can be nominated uh, for an Oscar. We're happy that this is in competition yeah, at Venice. Certainly. So it's, it's putting itself out there. Did we write the Todd Phillips Joker off too soon? So, did we, is it going to be an Oscars contender? Next, next Best Picture keeps pounding the drum that they, they have this 
uh, story that the WB executives are very high on it, but they're going to stop short of calling it an Oscar contender. And personally, in the day and age we live in where, where there's all, all kinds of bullying issues and free speech issues and school shooting issues, yeah. I find it hard to believe that the Academy is going to embrace the bullied anti-hero who's positioned as a protagonist that is a murderer and a killer and just a lunatic criminal, basically. I find that, I don't know that we're at that point. I think modern day society might kind of keep that from ever happening as far as best actor awards go. Going all the way back to the first stories ever told, the devil was the most interesting character, right? All the way back to Genesis. Villains are interesting. You know, we had Tony Soprano and we had Walter White. We've had anti-heroes become popular again, and now are we totally getting away from those anti-heroes? I don't know. I, we're much more sensitive now. Even something like Cliff Booth and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't. I don't say. I don't think we're all that sensitive to be necessarily. You know, rec- to recognize him as whatever a, a mixed bag. But it doesn't take a sociologist to understand that the hateful eight and that the Joker probably doesn't do as well now as it would have done ten years ago. For a couple reasons, I think. Because this is seems to be a very gritty take on the Joker. Very true to life, very real. And he seems to be... I mean, bullying is a huge issue, you know? And he seems to be going towards a life of crime as a direct result of being beat up on the subway, being chided in comedy clubs and made fun of, and only has a relationship with his mother, and kind of makes maybe failed romantically. So I think that might strike too close to home for that to get... Awards, right? Things. So if they just, you know, if they y- kept it cartoonish, yeah, you know, <clears throat> if they yada yada it, it's going to be a problem. If they go too deep into right. it, it's going to be a problem. They really got to strike the right balance. I mean, he's going to give a great performance, of course, of course. I mean, we've already seen things, it in the right. trailer. But wasn't Heath Ledger celebrated because he was just he just appeared in part? Like we don't have the backstory of that Joker. It's the he's, mystery of he's, it. Yeah, he's just a madman comic book bad guy now if you want to follow through and give me one hell of a yarn about that mystery about how he did come to be it might work yeah, I, I just maybe i maybe as well I, i'm skeptical i i would be surprised and our mid-year oscars report didn't include no. joker anywhere because we were hearing the opposite two weeks ago yeah three weeks ago yeah. we were hearing that this was going to be a flop now this isn't all, this is just strictly from an oscars perspective as a fan oscar flop yeah no we figured it's going to yeah. make money from a fan, and from a fan's perspective we want it to do well and we want it to be sure. great uh, we love the joker properties we love comic book movies we I, do you know I, that is what it is i know we have we feel different ways about it because they are running the industry right now but that's we want this to be a success Okay, so those are all the stories surrounding Venice. Uh, Let's talk about competition. They have Emma, Ad Astra, Joker, The Laundromat, Marriage Story, The Truth. Those are the names that stood out to me. Out of competition, you have The King. Again, Netflix really getting around at this fall film festival circuit. Fascinating that that we're going to get all these debuts from them everywhere, really. For your sake, I can't wait for the reviews of The Laundromat to come (laughs) out. I can't wait. Just to give you some peace of mind about what that movie actually is. But my guess early on here, like Marriage Story is going to win that or The Laundromat's going to win that. I don't know. We'll see. Man, predicting Venice at this point, (laughs) who knows? Well, it just got Ad Astra, Joker. The truth has been up and down. The King, up and down in terms of the hype. The the safest bets, Laundromat, Marriage Story. And Emma has been up for Best International Film. They're an international market. Maybe that'll win. 
Maybe. <laughs> I have a lot of th- a lot of thoughts about Venice and what they've been doing lately. So. Yeah. All right. So let's do a news lightning round here. Yeah. Where we're going to talk about Oscars 2021. We're going to do a weird crystal balling drop at some point for this crystal balling. Maybe you could play the the song Third Eye Blind Crystal Baller. I don't know that I know that song. I like Third Eye Blind, too. <laughs> They're weird. I don't know. I liked them a little bit back in the day. They're fun as a guilty pleasure. I want something else. <laughs> back when you used to listen to the radio, you'd listen to them <laughs> on the radio, right? Yeah, I would. All right. This is not going well as a lightning round. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is going to star in Mob Girl from Paolo Sorrentino of The Great Beauty and The Young Pope. Mike, let's look back at J-Lo's career for a hot minute here. She did Dark Phoenix, Red Sparrow, and Mother! She did Passengers, X-Men Apocalypse, and Joy. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games, Mockingjay 1, Mockingjay 2, and Serena. Are we sensing a theme here? You got two bigger budget, more popular films going for box office than one awards art film. Now you have her in Adam McKay's Bad Blood and Sorrentino's Mob Girl. Is she going for Oscar times two in her next trio of films? So... Yeah, it's a bit of a questionable CV, but she's she did land a, an, an Oscar nom for Joy. Mother, you could say what you want about the film, but if nothing else, that performance was unique and engrossing, uh, depending on it. how you land on it. We both loved it. So I know she took this year off. I don't know necessarily that, that she needs a resurgence because I still think she has enough cachet and name recognition that anything she does is going to be a big deal anyway. She took a break, yeah. by all accounts. And didn't she get married? We don't know that that kind of know. gossip, yeah, but, know. but she, yeah. you know, she... Deserves it. She Personal relationships are not my highlight in yeah, any yeah, aspect. Yeah, neither for me. <laughs> I try not. To, I try to avoid them because I don't have to turn a mirror on my own life. <laughs> Ridley Scott directing Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in the last duel, Mike. This is weird because we have Nicole Hall of Center adapting the novel about 14th century French court. King Charles VI declares that knight Jean de Carouge, mm. oh, sorry if I mispronounced that, <laughs> they settle dispute with a squire by challenging that squire to a duel, basically mm. the king. So Affleck is going to order knight Damon to fight his own squire, or Damon's going to order French knight Affleck to fight his own squire? One of what them, the hell? One of them needs to slap the other one in the face with a white glove. Why are they playing Frenchmen? Can't we just, you know... Can, can we just reset this in, like, 1990s Boston? <laughs> Seth MacFarlane had a sketch in, like, an early episode of Family Guy where it was Ben Affleck hanging out on a couch smoking pot, and he's like, oh, shit, I have to be an English king in 15 minutes. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Nailed it. <laughs> so that's all I think of when I think of this. Look, Affleck and Dame, they haven't been on screen together since 2004. That'll be fun, right, to see them together again? Because they're from Boston, both of them, and they like the Red Sox. Um, I think Ridley Scott may have the issue with recent history that you kind of pitched Jennifer Lawrence of having. All the money in the world, Alien Covenant, The Martian, Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Counselor, Prometheus, Russell Crowe's Robin Hood. That's what he's done directorially since 2010. Yeah. That's mostly a list of letdowns, isn't it? That's a lot of letdowns. The, the Gods and Kings, that was a major letdown. Covenant? Covenant was a letdown. A lot of people were excited about Covenant. Robin Hood, I don't know why people keep still remaking Robin Hood. but So, I would like to see all parties involved kind of get together and collaborate and give their best foot effort to for this. So, I'm 
rooting for it, but I would really like Rachel Dratch playing Zazu, and I would like the, this to be reset in 1990s Boston. I think that's the right move. Fair. And it's not saying that they're not great actors. It's just weird, isn't it? I mean, Shakespeare in Love, Ben Affleck is fine. He's mm. an Englishman. Are they going to play French? They're both going to play Frenchmen here? Well, I don't know, because Matt Damon just did the Great Wall of China movie, and he did not have an accent at all. It was just an American guy fighting with the Chinese army. This seems strange to me. Oh, who knows? Maybe it'll nail it. Lord of the Flies could be made by Luca Guadagnino, Mike. His last movie was made for $20 million, mm-hmm. and it only grossed $7.7 7 That was Suspiria, which we liked. Yeah, that's sad. That was a good movie. Uh, Luca made $41.5 million off a $3 million budget for Call Me By Your Name. So... That's where he built up his cachet. The other films did well enough in an indie sort of way. We love him as a filmmaker. Yep. I don't think he's made a bad movie for my money. He wants to do Lord of the Flies with Warner Brothers. Neon is coming out with Monos, Monos, which basically looks like a modern-day Lord of the Flies. This great slash film article is all over it, but it's basically saying, why is he doing this when it's already being done by somebody else, but we're going to do it for a bigger budget with Warner Brothers? What's going on? Didn't he also, I thought I read that he wanted this to be an all-woman adaptation of Lord of the Flies, too. That might be out there as well, so... That would be different. Yeah, that would be a different take on it. Um, Are you a Lord of the Flies fan? Not really. I just know there's a fat kid named Piggy, and they're throwing shit at him. <laughs> the best of Lord gross. of the Flies adaptation I've ever seen is the Simpsons episode. That oh, got no. Right. And, that, so, and that's been done a couple times throughout history, cinematically and on TV. It's not an easy property to adapt, and it's not one that's easily transferable to entertainment, at least for my tastes. Luca Guadagnino... I mean, one of the best things he does in his filmmaking is kind of create the setting and the sandbox for you to live in and play in. He did that with Calling By Your Name. He certainly did that with Suspiria. I think you kind of need that if you're going to have an entertaining adaptation of Lord of the Flies. So he's certainly probably the most capable director of pulling that off. Right. We're both big fans of him, like you said. So, yeah, I'll I'll go for it. Hopefully it makes money. Everything in the coven during Suspiria was uh, awesome. Yeah. So we wanted more of that. So if you do that with... Little kids, can he pull it off? Like crazy, you know, life and death stakes? Sure. I'm willing to see it. If nothing else, I'll tell you that. They're, they, they're not going to give him 30, 20, 40, 20 million for it. He just rattled off like eight numbers there. What number do you want to land on? The dude just <laughs> lost so yes. much money. I would be surprised if it's like a $50 million picture. Yeah, like, like maybe 15. Really surprised. Like he, it, This seems like a dream project thing for him. It just seems really strange. It like certainly would really... seem like a project he went to the studio about adapting more so than the studio was asking him to do. We could be, I could be way off on saying that, but that would not, that's how it plays to me. Then again, they can look at his filmography and they're like, every movie is good. Yeah. Maybe we just got to understand that we, we got to market this correctly. So that might be the, at the end of the day what they want to do. Scorsese, Mike, more news about him, kind of to bookend this episode in a way. Killers of the Flower Moon will reunite... Scorsese movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. It's about time that the two of them finally shared the screen in a Marty movie together. He, they've been his muse throughout the from the seventies up until modern day. He's been they've been the guys that he's relied on to make movies and bring them forward. So that's only proper to it's pretty me. Pretty cool. Is this going to be a movie, or is this going to be a TV show? <sighs> My guess: if you have Leonardo DiCaprio, it's a movie. If you have Robert De Niro, it's it's a movie. Yeah, I know there's been words out there about Scorsese properties that are supposed to, you know, be cinematic, that he's 
turned them into movie or TV properties. I think the H.H. Holmes property that he's doing with yeah. Leo started off as a movie, and that's going to be a TV show. Is Leo I, still involved, though? I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head. That would be big news if yeah. Leo went to TV. I would like to think that this is going to be everything we want it to be. I mean, Scorsese right now is kind of doing his Hall of Fame lap. He's getting all the old guys together for one last run in The Irishman. Now he can have his two muses share the yeah. screen together for Killers of the Flower Moon, which is, I think, an occult picture. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, I, I like to think that's kind of what he's doing. He's gotten to the point in his career, he's like, if I don't find wild entertainment on set and doing it, I'm not going to do it. So He seems to be having so much fun, yeah. regardless. Right. And he's doing his passion projects like Silence. He's doing whatever he wants, essentially getting you know top dollar from Netflix. And you're right, Eddie's basically able to cast his two favorite movie stars in this right. film. And it's about the birth of the FBI. That's right. Oh, there you go. Right. We, we yeah. previewed this yeah, before. Yeah. Right. Okay. We've uh, been talking about so many movies. So many movies. Sorry about that. Final story here in this segment. Uh, Academy, please take notice. The Emmy Awards broadcast will hand out 27 awards. Yeah. Right? And it's entertaining, isn't it? The Emmys do a better job historically. Yeah. Than, than the Oscars, at least in recent years. We, we've been happier as a general society with the Emmys. Now, that said, the Oscars, having no hosts last year, and uh, they actually did televise every award after a little bit of a stink that they were yep. trying not to, and everyone kind of chastised them for it. It seemed like last year's show was one of the more entertaining ones in years. It was still three hours-ish, yep. and it worked much better than anybody feared. So maybe if we get a bunch of negative stories and we neg the whole process <laughs> as much as we did last year, then we'll all be pleasantly surprised and happier uh, at the end of February. Maybe I that's just, the move. I just don't understand <laughs> why they insist on screwing it up when every award show seems to get it right with a host and just knock it out of the Alicia Keys from the Grammys last year. Are you kidding me? She was phenomenal. Added so awesome. much to that show. James Corden, the Tonys that just happened, added right. so much to that show. It's not difficult. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, There's too many yeah. stars out there. Let's wrap up here with our final section. We're going to talk about making the case. And this is where we take maybe fringe Oscar contender movies, maybe movies that we haven't given a full review to that might be on the outside looking in come Academy time. We're going to review them in terms of a category we think they can contend for come Oscar Sunday. We're going to call this Make the Case. We have two different movies that Mike's going to make the case for right now. We're going to start with Best Feature Documentary for Netflix's Knock Down the House, Michael. Make the case. I had been avoiding this because I figured it was going to make me super emotional because it's all about the politics of 2015 mm -hmm. and 2016. That happened, Mike. <laughs> what a tearjerker this was. It was so inspiring. It's truly remarkable. And obviously, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's now a household name. We're watching her I'm bartend. pounding my chest, kissing my fingers, and pointing to the sky. When We're watching her, her bartend in this trailer. We're watching her live in this tiny little apartment with her boyfriend. We're watching this heartbreaking scenario of all these grassroots campaigns fail mm. miserably, even though, or you can call it triumphantly. This movie rips your heart out. It's a great political campaign movie, number one, and I love those. I mean, go all the way back to Primary Colors. Give me, give me the Hoffa movie. The Hoffa movie's a great campaign. Just, oh, my God, get the spirit of the revolution going. Oh, my, it's great. It rouses everything in terms of your emotions. This is going to wind up being in my top five documentaries. I Ooh. gave it a B plus 88. I thought it was absolutely terrific. It made me cry at the end. I was... Uh, 
I was blown away. How's it stack up? Free solo one, best documentary feature last year. Hale County this morning, this evening, minding the gap of fathers and sons and RBG were the other nominees. I would think this is most akin to RBG. It's better than RBG in my mind. I think uh, I think it's much it's a much different story. I mean, it's a biopic. Mm-hmm. This is this is like the sprawling look at a bunch of candidates. It's not just AOC. This one affected me emotionally, and I think whenever a movie does that, I, I think it... Especially a documentary. Yeah, a documentary, like, holy cow. I mean, maybe I am Leonardo DiCaprio in my late 30s, or I'm transitioning in my late 30s, <laughs> and I'm losing my mind, and I'm having a nervous breakdown. Like that is possible. Every time you talk about yourself, you get closer to 40, when in reality, you're not even in mid-30s yet. <laughs> It's possible, Mike. <laughs> I'm mid-30s, dude. It is what it is. I'm 35. It's scary. All right. Best visual effects is the next category you'll go for. Mike, make the case that Alita Battle Angel belongs contending for best visual effects at the Oscars. Because it looked real. Really? It looked real. It, it's not an awesome movie. It, the, the fight scenes are fun, but she looked... Like, I don't know if she was real. Like, I don't know if it was... De-aging effects or whatever goofy eyeball widening effects, <laughs> cartoonish. I think that's effect. a technical name of that. <laughs> whatever they did, she looked like a real human being. The shadings of it, it was incredible, and it looked so much better than De Niro or even uh, the Gemini Man stuff. I was Ow. like blown away. Uh, maybe it's just the setting is fantastic, so you do- it doesn't stick out as much, and she could be shiny, video game like, whatever. And it doesn't, it's not as weird, maybe because we know she's a robot or a cyborg or whatever. It, it, again, it makes sense. The textures fit. Was there enough interplay with practical effects in this? Because we know, historically, the visual effects category likes their practical effects, too, just as much as their CGI stuff. Either that or they animated the shit out of it to where hmm. everything was crashing into everything else and it looked good. I just was struck by the, the visuals of this movie and it was something I was avoiding. Another movie I was avoiding from the winter, right? Both these movies I avoided during the winter. It's like, I don't need to see them. That's We probably should have seen these two. I do have interest. I, I plan on seeing, obviously, bring that knock down the house, but I do have interest in seeing Alita Battle Angel for myself. I was blown away by the effects, and it was the same week where I saw The Lion King and I saw all these trailers. So oh, so was, even apples to apples with The Lion King, you think it's up there? I was very impressed. Now, I watched it at home on a big screen TV. Maybe I don't know if I watched it and, and it just looked great on my TV, or we'll see, but I was blown away. First Man won Best Visual Effects at the Oscars last year. The other nominees were Avengers Infinity War, Christopher Robin, Ready Player One, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. How does it match up compared to some of those nominees? Everything Lucasfilm is really good. Uh, I just think the wow factor is this girl being CGI and getting all the close-ups with her. Like, we don't get that in anything else. We don't. Like, we'll get a little bit close-up to Thanos, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, you get something, but that's a very different, very, it's more cartoonish because he's purple. Right. Here you have, it looks like a human cyborg, it looks like a cyborg that's real. I don't know how they did it. I can't believe that one lost money, too, at the box office. I thought, sure, that there was going to be enough of a hit for people to kind of uh, It's an awkward movie. It. it ends, like, here comes part two, like, immediately after, and then it ends. I mean, that's, I'm just letting you know. I know that's a little bit of a spoiler, yeah. but it's a lot bit of a spoiler. But I, I, I look out for my audience. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Watch this for the VFX. Don't watch it for the story because, yeah, it is disappointing. Well, there you go. Knock Down the House for Best Feature Documentary, Alita Battle Angel for Best Visual Effects. Go watch them. Decide for yourself if you think these are worthy of contending for those categories at the Academy Awards. And overall, that is 15 pages of work and docs that we put together for this, our first <laughs> soft opening of our Oscars Update Weekly show. Uh, we obviously, as always, want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about this or anything we cover in the MMO Empire. If you haven't had a chance, do go check out our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood two-part review, the non-spoiler behind-the-scenes Oscar Lens Part 1 and the spoiler plot-filled, plot-focused, mm. centered Part 2. We do take a lot of pride in what we put down there and are available to listen. And if you want to reach out to us and share your comments, questions, concerns, etc., we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit, we are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, whether that's TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. If you just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar right now, you'll see our cartoon smiling faces waving back at you. Uh, if you appreciate what we do here, if you could take a couple seconds out of your day, just give us, I just dropped my pen, give us a five-star <laughs> review on Apple Podcasts. Those truly go a long way. We would really appreciate that. Yeah, Michael. Words of wisdom to end this on, and what's coming next from MMO for the good people? The good old Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. I'm going to throw one of those six degrees things out pretty soon. Uh, we got some great responses yeah, already, so we're going to get that going. We may again. have the winner already, actually, I was looking at it before. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But we also have a jam-packed episode for you. So it's, it's a little Monsters trailer, a lot of cool horror movie stuff again. So looking forward to that. We have a Tarantino Award show to yeah. close out that series. It's a lot of fun. we got a bunch of weird categories, a bunch of legit categories. Equal parts nonsense and, and legitimate, I Which would say. Which is pretty much what our tagline should be. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, Mike, and Oscar, equal parts nonsense and legitimate. <laughs> and then we're going to review another Oscars uh, contender. We got the farewell coming out next Can't week. Can't wait to see that. And I'm really excited. We're going to have an Oscar race update where we uh, maybe debut a few more segments, maybe do something unique about the farewell or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or who knows what, what stories will drop in the meantime. It's a but whole new playground for us to fool around and with you guys. We're going to have some fun with it. That sounded dirty. <laughs> All right, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round now with a weekly Oscar show to help that end. Uh, without the stuffiness. We don't want any of that. That's wisdom. We're on brand. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. See ya. We should probably work on our closing somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys soon. Later.